He is risen. A little tradition within the church, and I'm not quite sure how it started, but they started saying, uh, one person would say, he is risen, and another would say, he is risen indeed, Uh, and it's become a great, great uh, phrase. Uh, I'm going to introduce you to the first time it was ever said. So we're going to, but they messed it up too, uh, so don't worry about it. Uh, But uh, welcome to Rock Bible Church, and uh, I'm hoping that today is a happy Easter for you. Amen. Uh, You know, the first Easter was not a happy Easter. In fact, they didn't even know it was Easter on the first Easter. Uh, They were expecting something very different. Uh, And it wasn't for a few hours, then a few days, a little time passed, a couple weeks, and really started to understand the ramifications of what really happened. And then it slowly, over the course of that first year, went from a dark day to a happy day. And uh, we're going to talk through that this morning. We've been going through the book of Mark as a church. Uh, and Mark ends in chapter 16, which is what we're going to cover today with the Easter story. Uh, funny that we would end, it uh, just happens to end up that way. Uh, but we've got uh, ushers coming down the aisles. If you would like to follow along with a Bible or need an outline or a pen or for kids today, since they're with us, joining us in worship this morning, normally we have a children's program for them. Uh, we have crayons and such. Now, adults, folks, if you want crayons too, you can have them, okay? Just get their attention, they'll give you some crayons. We, got some, we want some crayons up here, right? Um, and then you can follow along. We also have prayer request cards. If you'd like us as a church to pray for something, uh, or God has answered a prayer for you and you'd just like us to be able to praise him for something he's answered. Uh, get a card from one of the ushers, fill that out. And then in the back by the signups, there's an offering plate just for prayer requests and such. Fill that out, drop it in there. And then we as a church, our staff and our prayer team uh, will be happy to pray for you. Uh, we're Mark chapter 16. And uh, like I said, wasn't wasn't a happy Easter for them the first time. In fact, uh, Friday night had been pretty rough for most of them. Uh, They had watched their their leader, their savior, they thought, their potential Messiah crucified. Uh, And it was the same, same guy that they'd had dinner with Thursday night before that. And he'd walked them through a Passover and kind of repurposed the Passover and kind of predicted what was going to happen. Uh, told him that one of them was going to betray him and the whole thing. Uh, by the way, Thursday night this week, we had our traditional Lord's Supper service, which was more of a supper and less of a service. Uh, 160 people at dinner, Shannon Event Center in Dublin, and uh, quite literally, loaves of bread were flying. I'm not exaggerating. Every table threw a loaf of bread at I would tell you what it meant and why, but you missed out. You missed it. Next year, you want to see the bread fly? Come to the Lord's Supper service. It was a free service, and we talked through what was the meaning of communion for the first group of of guys, and what did Jesus do when he took Passover and changed some of the meaning of what was being done. Uh, So we had eight people around a table, five cups, three loaves. It was crazy. One napkin. And you don't know what any of that means if you weren't one of the 160. So next year, don't miss it. Uh, Anyways, by Sunday, 
the Sabbath has passed and all that they thought was true had changed. Little did they know it changed for the better. They thought and probably predicted it was changing for the worse unless they held on to a couple little prophecies that Jesus gave them. And we're going to see those this morning. Uh, sorry, folks, only 20 verses today. Mark ends, Mark ends his book with 20 verses, Mark chapter 16, and it is to the point, very direct, only the most important things. That's what we're doing this morning on Easter. He is risen. He's risen indeed. Uh, Let's pray and then we'll jump in verse one. Lord, thank you for this morning. Thank you for the opportunity we have to come and worship your resurrection. At the same time, Lord, your crucifixion, all your predictions, and then Lord, your ascension. I pray, Lord, you would show us uh, through your word, what Mark wrote, what you inspired him to say, that you would show us the value of what happened. And why is Easter so important to us? Lord, pray that you would show us the meaning for back then and then give us the meaning for today that we might walk out of here with a clear understanding of you, ourselves, and our purpose. And so, Father, we pray that you would bless this time and we pray it in your precious Son, Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Uh, Mark chapter 16, verse 1. When the Sabbath was passed, Friday night happened. Uh, not not a stellar day for Christians, they thought. Actually ends up being good Friday, right? But Saturday comes, that's Sabbath for traditional uh, Jewish calendar, so they don't do anything. So they would not try to address Jesus' dead body on Sabbath. That would be work. You rest on Sabbath. So the day after Sabbath, when it's passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome bought spices. Why would they buy spices? You, you ever bring spices to a party? You ever say, hey, happy birthday. Here's some spices. No? Oh. They didn't either. Were they going to meet somebody who was alive? No, they bought spices to dress the body. Because they knew he was dead. So they might go and anoint him. Spices, anointing probably means they brought some oil as well. And very early on the first day of the week, that'd be Sunday. And folks, this this is great stuff right here. Ready? Comma. When the sun had risen. Comma. Now, I went back and checked. That's what it actually says in the Greek. Now, I think it's fascinating that in the Greek, there is no pun there. Because their word for the sun that comes up twenty every 24 hours does not have any kind of etymology similar to son of a father or a mother. The two Greek words are very different. But for that to become a pun in English, translated 2,000 years later, that's just fun, folks. Who could do that but God? It's proof to me. We're playing with playing in a game much bigger than our own, right? When the sun had risen. Obviously, it has nothing to do with Jesus. They're talking about the sun in the morning had come up. Well, is there going to be a sun who's risen in a few seconds here? Absolutely. Uh, when the sun had risen, they went to the... Really? I, they didn't go to the hospital where he was recovering? or Where were they going? They were going to a tomb. What's a tomb represent? Death. 
finality. It's over. They knew exactly where they were going. Uh, and they were saying to one another, wow, I wonder who this Jesus was. Boy, what about those predictions? Hey, what do you think he meant when he said, did, were they asking him each other any of those questions? No, they want to know how do they anoint the body. They're asking the question, who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? And why are they asking that question? For two reasons. One, they know they can't roll it. And number two, they know Jesus is not rolling it back either. They think he's dead. By the way, uh, the three people that are going to the tomb, this is a very simple, logical question. Uh, Probably a lot of preschoolers could get this question right. That's how simple it is. What do you know about those three characters? They are all women. Where's the men? Hiding, running, they'd given up. Only the women went. The guys wouldn't, they wouldn't come to the front. They didn't want front row seats. Just like Easter at Rock Bible Church. You guys will sit next to total strangers, but you won't come sit next to me. What's up? I showered this minute. I shaved the whole thing. Come on. Okay. Next time. Next year. All right. Somebody's sitting up here. Uh, but they've kind of given up. It's kind of interesting. They're about to go and, and tell people what they see and nobody wants to listen to them. Why? Because in those days, in that culture, the testimony of a woman was not taken as valid. Love that God sends women to the tomb. Starts changing the game, changing the rules. Right? Right? They're saying to one another, hey, how are we going to move this, this stone? And looking up, they saw the stone had been rolled back. It was very large. It's an understatement, by the way. Uh, let me ask you a question. Did they have a problem? They had a stone. Too big for them to move. Did they have a problem? The answer is, yes. did that problem get solved? Yes. Okay, this is the theme of the passage that I want you to see as we go through it. Problems that get solved. Okay, so we got these three ladies. They can't move the stone, but they look up and hey, it's been rolled back, even though it was very large. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting on the right side. <laughs> do, do they have a problem? <laughs> what? Uh, now, was this a young man? No. no, it wasn't. But when you see an angel for the first time and you don't know how to describe it, you pick the next best thing, right? Now, if it had a been a female angel. I mean, they could have maybe said young lady. But to them, they looked at this angel and said, uh, I know a stand. We're going to call it young man. Now, other passages, Matthew uh, and such, when they talk about this, they talk about it as an angel because they knew, right? Uh, but now they've got this young man sitting in there. They don't know. They've got a little bit of a problem. Dressed in white robe, and they were alarmed, to say the least, and he said to them, do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified? Is that a question mark or a period? It's a fact. Um, what did you do this weekend? Did you celebrate? Did you celebrate this holiday? Did you have fun? I, I've, I've been making this push saying, you know, one of the fun ways for me to celebrate is go to the movies. Right. Did you go to a movie this weekend? I did. 
Went to the Case for Christ movie out about Jesus. One man struggle to understand, believe, think, uh, investigate. I love one of the premises of the book. It's the idea that the crucifixion of Jesus is one of the most well-documented, if not the most well-documented events in history ever. Zero people argue with the idea that a Jew was killed by the Romans right around zero, the year zero. Now, as to what happened after that, there's a lot of debate, but they, they have all kind of non-Christian, non-Jew uh, accounts, documents that this really happened. Did he really die? Absolutely. I love what the movie does with it, walking through the logic of he had to have died because of certain factual, scientific type things. Yeah, I'm a moviegoer, uh, but I like things to make sense. And they walk through the logic of the science of who Christ was. Maybe you can't celebrate this weekend by going to that movie, but at some point, celebrate Jesus by going and seeing that movie. It'll change some things for you because it's not necessarily about faith. It's very much about logic and looking at Christ from a logical, scientific, experimental, investigative reporting perspective. And it's brilliant. Uh, My kids even liked it. Praise the Lord. Um, you're looking for Jesus of Nazareth who was crucified. He is risen. You know, they didn't say that the first time. <laughs> he is risen. And, and come on, folks. All right, good. That's what they're supposed to say, but, but they don't respond. And he says, he is not here. Now they got two problems. They go to the tomb. <laughs> they got an angel and a missing body. Those problems get solved? Absolutely. See the place where they laid him. But go, tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you to Galilee. What? Why did he take, you know, there's, there's only 11 disciples at this point, right? He names Peter. He takes the other 10 and just lumps them into just the disciples. He very easily could have said, just tell the disciples Jesus is not here anymore. He's going to meet him in Galilee. But he doesn't say that. He says, tell the disciples and, and he names Peter. Why does he do that, folks? Peter's the rock, right? Okay. Good attempt. Good attempt, Rich. And it's correct. It's not the answer I'm looking for. Someone else. Because Peter had just finished denying Christ three times. Two nights earlier, three days ago. Jesus predicted it. Peter follows through with the negative side of, you know, making that prediction come true. You know, for those 10 disciples, if they hear that Jesus is alive, they're kind of like, we can come out of hiding. Maybe there's hope. If Peter finds out that Jesus is alive, does Peter have a problem? Is Peter's problem going to get solved? And Jesus says, make sure Peter knows that I'm back. It doesn't get solved in this passage per se, but another passage, Jesus has a direct conversation with Peter and asks him three times. To affirm his three denials, he asked him to three times, do you love me, right? Uh, so he wants to make sure that Peter uh, knows, even though he has a problem, there's a solution. Um, if you have a problem, does God have a solution? Okay. 
there's three of you. The rest of you are in trouble, okay? But, you know. Uh, there you will see him in Galilee, just as he told you. You know, great little uh, prophecy and prediction Jesus had made. He said, hey, uh, just like they destroy the temple and in three days I'd rebuild it, uh, they're going to destroy, they're going to strike down the Son of Man and in three days he'll, he'll resurrect. And then I will go before you to Galilee. Little phrase. Kind of fun. A couple chapters earlier. And here, the, the angel references it. He says, by the way, remember he told you that when he resurrects, after the three days and the whole thing, there was another piece. He's going to go before you and you're going to see him in Galilee. Kind of cool to have even these little things solved. Uh, verse 8. And they went out and fled from the tomb from, for trembling and astonishment had seized him. And they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. You bet you they were. Now when he rose early on the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene. Great. Now it's going to tell us something about Mary. And I want, to, I want you to logically think about why would they t- need to tell us this about Mary Magdalene. From whom he had cast out seven demons. The only reason you would need to know that is to be able to acknowledge, did Mary have a problem at one point? Yeah, she had seven. Larger problems than we deal with. Did Jesus solve those problems? He did. Problem solved. She went, verse 10, she told those who had been with him, and they mourned and wept. But when they heard that he was alive and had been seen by her, they went out and prepared a party for him. Oh, wait, no, that's not what they did. They would not believe. Ouch. The testimony of a woman. You know, they should have started listening to women back then, shouldn't they have? I think we do a better job today, but we probably still need to keep working on that. After these things, he appeared in another form to two of them, two of the disciples, story told in another gospel, as they were walking into the country. And they went back and told the rest. Testimony of two men now, not just two men, two disciples. And now they decided, okay, now we'll have the party. No, but they did not believe them. Verse 14. Afterward, he appeared to the eleven themselves as they were reclining at table, just as they had done Thursday night before. And he rebuked them for their lack of belief, lack of faith, and hardness of heart, because they had not believed those who saw him after he had risen. He had risen indeed. Amen? Okay. Uh, And they said to him, verse 15, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Awesome. Now we know what our job is. Know what your job is? Make a lot of money. No? Be popular? No? That's not your job? It's your job to be important. No. Nope. Your job is to proclaim the gospel to all creation. Now, I only have one problem with this. I'm pretty sure I know what all of creation is. It's everything. Is, is that fair? It's everyone. Okay, I know what proclaiming is. 
That's when you tell somebody something or explain something. What's the gospel? That's the part I have the problem with. How, how do I, okay, I'm, I'm going to go out. I'm going to tell everybody something. What am I going to tell them? The gospel. Great. Tell me what the gospel is. I want to give you a quick, easy, simple, poor man's version. We have a God who can solve any problem. If there was a problem, you'll all solve it. Wait, sorry, that was vanilla ice. But quoting in reality, this is what the gospel is. No matter the problem, God can solve it. That's what we celebrate on Easter. Right? No, I, I, th- I thought we celebrated bunnies and eggs and, and chocolate. Please tell me there's chocolate. No, we celebrate with those things, but we don't celebrate those things. What we celebrate is the risen Lord who had a problem. We thought. We thought it was a problem, but he solved it. And really the reality is he has no problems. You have problems. I have problems. They they had problems. He has no problems. Isn't that kind of cool? This morning, if you look at the top of your outline, chapter 16, every chapter in the book of Mark so far in our series for the last 16 weeks, four months, uh, it's been something about Jesus, introducing Jesus, finding Jesus, understanding Jesus, listening to Jesus, following Jesus, depending on what the passage was about. Chapter 16 is about celebrating Jesus. What are we celebrating? We're celebrating the fact that we have a God who has zero problems, only has solutions. That's what he deals in. We absolutely love that. He says then, go tell people this. Here's why. Because in verse 16, whoever believes and is baptized will be what? Saved. Whoever does not believe will be condemned. What's the difference between those two ends? There's belief and there's not belief. There's faith and there's Put my faith in something else. That's the difference. That's why people need to know. Uh, Are there people out there with problems? That need solutions? That don't know God? They need to hear. That's what Easter's about, folks. And these signs. Listen to this. I want to show you a little idiosyncrasy here. 17, verse 17. And these signs will accompany those who breathe, are awake, Have the right dad? No. What's the distinguishing factor for signs? Belief. Those who believe these signs will accompany them. In my name, they will cast out demons. Is is that kind of impressive? If you ran into a demon, wouldn't you want to make sure he got cast out and did not have control over you or whoever you were with? Absolutely. That right there, that's pretty impressive. They will speak in new tongues. Have you ever learned another language? I've been trying for a lot of years. And I resent the fact that I have friends who can speak Spanish fluently. And I've taken so many classes. I've been to Mexico like 30 times. I'm still learning. Right? I have so many fluent Spanish speakers that correct me regularly. Love it. But the idea of speaking a new tongue that impressive it sure is they will pick up serpents with their hands (laughs) not me (laughs) 
And if they drink any dead, deadly poison, it will not hurt them. Is that impressive? Absolutely. They will lay hand, their hands on the sick and they will recover. Is that impressive? Yes. Uh, by the way, do you think there's smaller things than these that are afforded to those that believe? What's the point he's trying to make? No matter your problem, there is a solution. And those are the kinds of things I want to do for those who believe. Love that. So then, verse 19. The Lord Jesus, after he had spoken to them, was taken up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. Who's important? Okay, test. We're at church. I'm asking a question out loud. If you're not sure, there's one pretty safe answer. Okay, right? We're going to try it again. Who just became very important? Jesus. Very well done. I just tell you, first service, I had to ask him like three times. They got it right the second time, but there was no emotion, no energy to it. Who's most important in your life? You or him? That's the question on Easter. Right? You got problems, you can try to solve them, or you can meet, greet, engage the one who does the solving. And they went out, verse 20. They went out and preached a couple places. They went out and preached when it was comfortable. They went out and preached when they had a good rapport with the person they were talking to. They went out and preached when they weren't busy. They went out and preached on Saturdays. They went out and preached one week during the summer in Mexico. When, when did they preach? Everywhere, always. Why? Because there's people with problems who don't know the solver. There's people that don't know the Easter story. There's people that are yet to understand that God wants to change their life for the better and give them blessing. While the Lord worked with them and confirmed the message by accompanying signs. Interesting, that last two little phrases right there. Are are you a prayer? One who prays? Yes or no? Doesn't matter. From today forward, you're going to be. Here's, here, I'm going I'm to tell you your prayer. Okay, You're going to say this prayer from time to time. Lord, give me accompanying signs. Give me a sign that you're in my company. That you're hanging out with me. You're along. Show me that we're together and you're working stuff. Ask for that prayer. How about before you pray about the problems, right? Because really, if, if, if this morning's message is about celebrating Jesus, because when you have a problem, he can solve it. I know what your first prayer is going to be. It'd be mine too. Oh uh, God, I have a problem. I have a this, I have a that. Solve it. Once you pray for him first, to know that he's with you. He might reprioritize which problems he works on first. And then see what he does with it. What if your regular prayer is, Lord, work in me accompanying signs? That could be pretty cool. Well, sorry, only 20 verses. 
May the Lord bless the reading of his word. Amen. Amen. Mark gets in, gets to the point, says, here's what you need to understand. We have a God who not only solves death, he solves any other problem. And he's a God of solutions and you can know him. They can know him. That's why we're here. And this is the value of Easter. And we need to celebrate that Jesus loud ways, like throwing bread kind of ways that gets people's attention. Why? Because they're going the wrong direction. And they're not finding solutions to their problem. They're crashing. It hurts. It's painful. It's costly. It's time consuming. And they could find Jesus pretty easily. You know know the reality is? People could find Jesus more easily than they could find an Easter egg. Now you know how to tie in the Easter eggs to Easter. It's a pagan, but uh, no, it's a celebration that I can find Jesus faster than I can find a hidden egg. And the prize that I get from Jesus is more valuable than anything I get in the egg. Look, we just Jesified your um, Easter eggs, okay? It's a Jesified, that's a new word that we're going to start using. It's going to be, it's trending on uh, Twitter somewhere. We're celebrating Jesus. Uh, so look at your outlines. Here we go. I love that verse uh, where the angel says to him, Hey, um, you, you, you don't need to be alarmed. You see Jesus of Nazareth who was crucified. He has risen. And he's not here. See the place where they laid him. What we celebrate about Jesus is, one, we celebrate him through the tomb. Fascinating to us as, you know, their biggest problem, those three ladies... Was they, they were on their way to a tomb. They weren't on the way to the reception of the Savior. They weren't on the way to the parade of the Savior. That was the week before. You know, this would have been a great time for another parade. But no, they were on their way to the tomb. They, they were on the way to the perceived most important problem. Savior was dead. And he solves it. They bought spices, they showed up, they want to anoint the body, but then they run in and here's a all, all white, bright, brilliant young guy saying he's not dead, he's alive, the whole thing. And then verse 8, it says, and they fled the tomb. Their biggest problem should have been the idea that uh, Jesus was maybe not who he said to be. Didn't follow through, couldn't keep his promises. That should have been the problem. Uh, but you know, it wasn't because he solved the tomb. We celebrate his power over death, his power over anything you think he can't predict, he can predict. So the tomb can't hold him. But you know, you, you would have thought that that was their biggest concern. And that's not what they were talking about on the way to the tomb. What were they talking about in verse three? Hey, how will we roll away the stone from the entrance to the tomb? They thought their biggest problem was the stone. Why? They'd given up on the tomb already. And yet Jesus is there showing, hey, I've solved the tomb. And by the way, I solved the stones too. But folks, do you have stones in in your life that you can't roll away? Things that are bigger than you, beyond you, that you need help with? Absolutely. Do you believe that God has dominion, power, plans for the largest stones in your life? Do you know that rolling them out of the way for him is not a problem? It's child's play for him. And yet, what do we fixate on? We fixate on the stones in our life. 
Just like the ladies fixated on, hey, we, we can't address the body. <laughs> ladies, there is no body. And there's no stone. The game has changed. You know, for, for some of you, the game hasn't changed yet. We're functionally living as if he's dead. We're functionally living as if he was a, a good teacher. We're functionally living as if we have to solve our own stones. And we don't. Should not have ever been their most important question. How do we remove the stone? It should have been asking, how awesome is it going to be when we get there? Because he made predictions about what was going to happen. I can't wait to see if those predictions are true. But uh, they're like you. They're like me. We have doubt. We wonder, is this real? And I want to show you because although the tomb and the stone were big problems that he solved, the biggest problem, the biggest problem, much more important than either of those two, that he solved was salvation. In verse 16, it says, whoever believes and is baptized is what? It's right there. Saved. Saved. Ed, because past tense, completed action. I love that uh, sometimes we see bumper stickers or postings uh, or t-shirts, Jesus saves. Kind of true, but it should be past tense because he already did it. Continues to save? Well, yeah, continues to work in people's life, but the saving action happened already. It's done. There's nothing need be added to it to get you more saved. You are saved. Ed, Jesus saved, not Jesus saves. All right. So if anybody is uh, got a bumper sticker that says Jesus saves, just get a marker, a mark a lot. You go there, Sharpie, and change the S to it. Don't do that. I think it's uh, some kind of defamation of property or something. You'll you'll get a ticket for something. It'll get a good laugh. It'll be a great story, um, but you'll you'll do time probably or something. Uh, whoever believes is saved. That's why we get the gospel out to everywhere and all of creation. And here's what I need you to understand. Seven times it talks about believe in the passage. Do you know what's talked about in Mark chapter 16 more than this, the resurrection? Belief. What's talked about more times than anything else? Seven times. By the way, is seven a perfect number in, in uh, Jewish tradition? It is. It's a perfect number. Verse 11. They would not believe it. Verse 13, they did not believe. Verse 14, twice for their unbelief, and they did not believe. Verse 16, twice, whoever believes, and then whoever does not believe. And then verse 17, this will accompany those who believe. What's your job? Believe and celebrate Jesus. Celebrate what? He has no problems. Celebrate the fact that he can change, affect, and is still working in your life in any way necessary. If you want him. And here's the part, hard part. He'll respect if you want space from him. Isn't that rough? Well, sometimes we ask for space and you, really you need him close. 
accompanying, right? That's what we're trying to get out. The power of a resurrected, risen, ascended Savior who still wants to work in your life. Because here's the reality. That he conquered death, past tense, old thing, doesn't affect me today so much. I got relationships and money and work and a calendar and all these kind of things that I got to work through. I need a God who is beyond and more than just my spiritual salvation, but my, my death salvation, but my living salvation. From this day forward, I need a God who's active in today and can move the stones in my life. That's what we celebrate in Easter. It's not just the cross. It's not just a communion. It's not just Easter. But that those acts were just the beginning. And they were meant to be just the beginning. He says, I go to prepare a place for you. You know what he says about the end? There's going to be a banqueting table. It starts with the dinner. Thursday night, Lord's Supper. It's going to end in heaven with a dinner. Okay? Which means... Food is now a religious activity. Amen? <laughs> Let's have as many dinners. Why do you think uh, Southern Baptists have so many potlucks? Practice, right? For the very end. Amen? Help me in celebrating Jesus always. That people might come to know a saving knowledge of who he is and get solutions to their problems. Change the way they look and think about life. Amen? That's the message that we're getting out. There's always problems. But there's always solutions. And they all come from Jesus. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for your word. Thank you for Mark and the whole book. But Lord, thank you for how it ends. And thank you, Lord, that there's a great argument that Easter is the most important thing. We love, Lord, that you came to us on Christmas. We love, Lord, all the miracles that you did and all the teaching that you did. We love, Lord, that you walked into town on Palm Sunday knowing that you were walking into a battle. We love, Lord, that you sat down with the disciples even though you knew every single one would betray you. You ate a meal with them. You made promises to them. And then, Father, we love that on Friday, in the midst of the suffering that was before him, he walked right into it, suffered, and went through it. But, Lord, we love more what happened on Easter. It gives value to all the rest shows what you're capable of. You can solve any problem. shows your heart and what you want for us. You want to help us solve our problems. I pray, Lord, that you would help us to believe, to follow you, to follow your son, to follow your spirit's leading. May we, may we be committed to and reminded of that this Easter. If you're here this morning and you never believed, you never decided that you believe. That could be your prayer this morning. You just tell God, you say, God, today I decide to believe in you. From this day forward. Help me. Give me accompanying signs. And solve my problems. If that's your prayer, we want to help you. And you don't need to go to this church, but you do need to go to a church. You need to get around people that will keep you close to the Lord and help you. That can work through Him in your life. And so after service, if you like, we'd love to pray with you, help you, give you any kind of direction. You come up to the stage after service and we'll, we'll talk to you, pray with you.
Father, we thank you for all these things and for your son. It's in his precious name we pray. Amen.